This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. For into CBD products or you know try CBD products, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. This is more geared towards your athlete. So I know most athletes are off right now, but I'm sure you're still training. You're still lifting weights. You're still doing shit that probably tears and hurts your muscles. So go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. You'll get 25% off. They ship within North America. And if you're into nerd culture or you like collectibles, go to firstrow.ca. They update daily there. It is First Row Collectibles. They are a Canadian-based company, so everything you see there is in Canadian funds. And if you use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll receive 20% off. They ship within North America as well. And like I said, they update daily. They have everything from comic books to wrestling figures to sports memorabilia, signed cards, anything you need or want. They literally have it there. It's a great cause. Since you can't go out to malls and shop, this is a great way to shop online. So if it helps them out, it helps me out. So go support them. And if you want to support me directly, go to my merchandise store at tpublic.com. But if you scroll down on your device, it's embedded right there. Nice and easy. Click on it. It takes you right to my page. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to mugs to travel mugs to phone cases, pillows, anything you need or want. Literally, it is there. And that supports me directly. But most importantly, and especially during these times, I don't want to ask anyone to support me monetarily. So if you don't want to support monetarily or you can't, Please rate, subscribe, review. That is even more important than buying anything, than getting any merchandise, because that's what makes me known. That's what puts me out there. That's what puts me on the algorithms, as they say, and it makes me searchable for everyone else. So please do all the big ones, but mostly Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week, I'm trying something new. Obviously, if you read the description, you know what's going to happen. So it's not like it's a big surprise. So I, I love those podcasters that come on when the description's already there and they're trying to make it seem like everything's a surprise. Oh, tune in to see if this guest is going to be on or so on and so off. But yeah, it's right there written down. But anyways, so this week looks like I'm going to have three guests. So firstly, I'm going to start off with returning guests all the way from New York City in the epicenter of this COVID crisis right now. My long lost cousin, Brian Fonseca. Man, it is 
<laughs> and on top of that, it's a shitty day today, just in terms of weather. Right. Like, it's rain and wind, and I woke <laughs> up, and the first thing I saw was there's a tornado warning in North Carolina. Like, can, can we give it a rest, Mother Nature? <laughs> like, relax, man. Enough. We got a fucking virus, and then right. on top of that, it's like, you know, tornadoes and earthquakes. Like, enough. But <laughs> other than that, everything's all good, you know? You're keeping safe. You're all good. You haven't contracted it or anything Surviving like that. Surviving advance like is March Madness, man. That's all you can do. I honestly like the the whole part about people dying and the virus is the worst of it, obviously. Right. But in terms of the day to day life and staying inside, that's easy. I have not been right? bored one time this entire time that I've been doing this, which probably Same. says a lot about you know the eventfulness of my life beforehand <laughs> where it was just mostly work 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 of course but now i'm just kind of like yeah i'm still i was working from home a lot as it was now that's primarily what i'm doing trying to stay inside as much as possible right and on top of that i have wi-fi i have <laughs> a you. phone i have a macbook nope. i have a playstation nice. i still have a working xbox 360 oh wow I have Netflix. How the fuck am I going to be bored? I don't understand how people are bored during quarantine. Like, I know you're, you're it's, you know, you're in the crib all day, every day. But it's yeah. like, yo, some of you can never survive in a real third world country. Like, I have all these things. I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's I was true. playing, yo, I was looking at my 360 the other day. Okay. And I was looking through some old games that I have. NBA Street Volume 3 is still at my disposal. Popped it in to see if the regular Xbox game were to work on the 360, and thanks to backwards compatibility, we're all good. Wow. NBA Volume 3 still works on my shit. That is crazy. That's a sick game, too. <laughs> I mean, speak of, they got to bring back that series, too. That, I, I used yeah. to love playing that. No kidding. Like, it's true. I don't understand. Like, the way, maybe because... We're not that young of a generation where you grew up with technology. Like, we know what it was before there was good internet and good Wi-Fi and all that shit, right? So we had yeah. to make our own fun. But these younger people don't get it. Like, I equate to it when I moved to Portugal, because I moved to Portugal for a year. And this was back in 97 or 98. I can't remember now, right? Yeah. And back then, again, Stone Age, there was no internet even back then. There wasn't even anything. No dial-up, nothing. There was no hotmail, no email, no AOL, nothing, right? So, you know what my entertainment was? A shoddy old fucking Super Nintendo with like three or four games. I think I had FIFA 97, NHL 97, and then I have a few other, I can't remember, like Spider-Man games or something like that, right? And that literally WCW got... WCW versus NWO. <laughs> oh, I wish that was for Super Nintendo. Maybe I had the Royal Rumble because that was available for Super Nintendo. <laughs> but other than that, that was my entertainment for almost nearly one year. Now kids go through that in about an hour. Like, dog, I still, I can't believe, here's another thing, too, and what I'm explaining to people is, like, yo, at some point, we are going to get past this, whatever that is, but until then, you're never going to get this time again to just go back into the archives of some of your old favorite games and just play them, you know what I'm saying? Like, what? if not for a pandemic, I would never be able to reunite with NBA Street Volume 3. Now, what I'm saying is kind of ridiculous, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, fundamentally ridiculous, and I acknowledge that, but what I'm saying is, like, yo, people have to look for the good in everything, man. This is your chance to live in a bubble like it's high school all over again. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you don't have to watch the news every day. Like, yes, you have, you should know what's going on, and, you know, to the extent of it, but in order to do that, just Google a couple things, take a quick scroll through Twitter, and you're good. you could, That's what I you do. Could, you can make yourself live in a bubble right now. Yeah. So just do it. Do it for two months. 
You know, it's like hibernation with your eyes open. That's yep. all it is. And then you come back out and then, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully a lot of good. I do think there'll be a lot of long term benefits to this, too. So do I. That's that's another that's another podcast topic. But they, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not I'm not totally doom and gloom about this. It's right. just cloudy today. And that annoys me because like we don't need to see we, we, we can at least get the sun shining on us. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no kidding. Well, <laughs> speaking of Jesus Christ, maybe that's right, because it is Easter weekend. Good Friday just passed. All oh. that. So it yeah, is a gloomy a valid, holiday, yeah, no, right? That's so, a valid point. I mean, <laughs> if you believe in that shit, because I know how some people don't nowadays as well. So to each his own. Whatever. I mean, look, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a valid point, but I mean, again, another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how it is as a podcaster. I'm on the good, I'm on the good side of that fight. Some people okay. aren't, but I understand. Well, but again, like I was trying to say, as a podcaster, you know yourself that you have to sort of wiggle around these these sort of topics and always say with the thing with tongue in cheek or allegedly because you don't want someone coming after you or attack. Yeah. So you know what I mean? So it's one of those things like I have my opinion, like I've said it before, short and then we'll get into some sports talk. I believe in God. There's a higher being. I, I solely I believe too. in that too. I, I understand why I do people too. don't because I could see why because there's no proof. It's just going off faith. That's fine. If you're not an analytical and scientific person, I totally understand. But don't riff on the people that do believe and vice versa. That's my whole thing. I, I also, and my big thing is, I think that ideally you would want both. Like you can accept the science too. and also accept the part of religion or of spirituality. Because it doesn't have to be like hardcore, like yes. I need to do everything the exact way like a Christian. Because I don't consider myself that. I just right. consider myself a non-denominational believer in a higher being. That also doesn't mean that I reject science. Right. I, I, you know, you need both. Like I just think you fundamentally need both in order to live so. a whole a whole life, so to speak. So yeah, no, for but sure. But yeah, that, that's stuff that even on my podcast we like we we'll get into politics before we get into religion. Oh wow, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because people <laughs> that listen to the show, I'm like people that listen to the show, I'm like, look, chance. Chances are, if you believe in certain things in terms of politics, you're right. not going to listen to us. Like, it's that's just, you true. know what I mean? Like, I know. if you voted, if you voted for Trump, you ain't listening to our <laughs> show. Like, you're just not. <laughs> I get it. But in terms of religion, I can see people being on both sides of the spectrum listening to us. And, sure. you know, it's it's a very complicated discussion that really, whether you believe in one thing or another, there's no mm. real answer to. We're just going to find out when we're dead. Like, yeah, that's, right? that's really it. So it's like, you know, why, why, why even go there? <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. It's so true. Well, I guess there's no easy segue into it, but let's get into some sports <laughs> since that's what you do. Uh, you could have just been like, hey, speaking of death, dark side of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. We'll get into that as well. We'll get into that as well. <laughs> that's for a later segue. I'll, I'll save that one for last. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you being a journalist, reporting on shit, writing columns, and being at sporting events, how is this, like, how much of a mindfuck is this that you can't do what you love? Because for you, obviously, <laughs> yeah, it's not it's work, kind of, right? Mindfuck is a great way of putting it. Um, You know, it's weird, and it makes you think about, like, what what are we going to do when, when this is eventually over at some point, right? So, I mean, we're not, I don't think we're going to get sports anytime soon. I do think we are going to get sports at some point. Okay. But I don't know what's, what's the dynamic going to be in terms of having an audience, right? Uh. I don't think I, – like I, I'm, I'm just about 100% sure that there are going to be sports with no audience at least in the beginning of when everything is able to come back, right? You think? I, we're probably – I think yeah, I'm yeah. the other way because I think there's more stupid people than there are smart people in this world. And I think all the stupid people are going to run because they're dying to go out and do something. 
Oh, but I, that's what I'm saying. I think I think they're gonna try to protect us from ourselves and just not oh, let us. Like they're I, okay. gonna be like, all right, close the read. Gotcha, like, you gotcha. know, no media, sure. that kind of stuff. Okay, like, okay. Or maybe they just have media. I don't know. But I'm pro. I'm preparing as if we're probably not gonna have a vaccine because they said 12 to 18 months. Yep. I would, you know, let's err on the side of optimism and say 12 months from when they said that. Sure. So you're basically looking at a vaccine by spring of next year. Yeah. So is it realistic that we're going to be able to have fans in the seats before then? I don't know because right. is it flattened enough to the point where we can do that and sort of go back to quote unquote normal? I don't know. Like, I don't know what the thinking is going to be. And in this country, at least, we have an election coming up in November. <laughs> right? So I don't know how that's going to affect things. I legitimately don't because I, people say that politics and sports don't really go together. And <laughs> what you're seeing now, I mean, you've been dead wrong about that the whole time if you believe that previously. So, right. yeah, I don't know how this is going to affect things. Just for me personally, again, I'm using it as a time to tap into things that I wouldn't otherwise, you know, trying to be creative. Now now we're doing two podcast episodes a week, Dexter and I, so we're already nice. at 120, and we're going to drop 121 this week, and we'll probably record 122 and put that out before or during the weekend. So it's things like that. You know, mm-hmm. we've been able to do some stuff with the video game stuff and just, you know, play some games, stream a little bit, connect with other people who, like, play games and stuff like that, and just watch things that I haven't gotten a chance to watch and of consume course. things that I haven't gotten chance to consume work out from home which i was doing regardless um so it's it could be a lot worse you know what i mean like i can be in i could be in a third world country in the middle of a war hearing gunfire out of my basement every day but i'm not so i'm not going to complain about it to to that degree you know what i mean i'm just just checking on my peoples making sure they're all good uh and for the most part you know we're doing all right so Hopefully we just keep advancing and keep getting to the next phase of this because I think in New York it's, it's going to start looking better soon. So Oh, I can't wait for sure. So what sports do you miss the most? Uh, I mean, basketball is my sport, but I actually really miss uh, just combat sports as a whole because, nice. you know, that's – and turn and like MMA, boxing, like that's sad. That's every Saturday night. You know right? what I mean? Like you turn on some fights, yeah. And then every Sunday night it'll be wrestling. Although that's still going on. <laughs> yeah, that's again. Speaking of another episode for another podcast, right? Yeah, that, that, but that that's still going on. But at the same, it's not the same. Yeah, um, of course. So there, you know, I did watch WrestleMania, for example. Yeah. And I was grateful that I did. I mean, two day thing. You know, uh, it, it, granted, like. Uh, under the circumstances you're concerned for your favorite performers and you know are are they okay and then there's a report that someone tested positive and you know you have roman reigns uh pulling himself from wrestlemania because he's had leukemia twice and he's like i'm not messing with this shit and could you really blame him Uh, the miz got sick at one point we don't know if he had it um something tells me that due to Vince McMahon's history, I'm not sure what they're doing about testing in the company and in terms of taking that seriously. Like, I'm (laughs) not sure, you know? Like, I don't really know. Of course, of course. (laughs) Like, I don't really know. But look, man, WrestleMania was good. WrestleMania, I I was pretty satisfied with it. That Boneyard match was fucking incredible. You know what I mean? I felt like I was watching, I felt like I had been watching a 60 a 90-minute movie, like I saw the first 60 minutes, and I've been waiting for a long time for these two guys to finally fight at the end, and then it's just a 30-minute fight scene that you would see in a movie. It was incredible, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you miss watching basketball, but in terms of the sports stuff, I actually don't think I miss watching it as much as I thought I would 
but I think that's because I understand like there are more important things going on and I could sort of live with, you know, watching classic games because now I get to tap into even more history that I probably slept on previously and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I agree too. To me, I I missed the UFC. I need some sort, not just UFC, anything, Bellator, whatever's out there. Cause I, I need that. I love like now I've, as I've said it before on a podcast too, as I get older, I like the more one-on-one sports versus the team sports. Because to me, team sports could only go so far. They have it down packed. It's the same thing over and over again. Like, you know what I mean? Now, And it's not like the 90s where I grew up with colorful characters and shit. Now it's like almost everyone is toned down because of the rules of each league and shit. You know what I mean? No one could be themselves, so to speak. It's all cookie-cutter athletes, right? But, yeah, I miss UFC. I just want it back. I know Dana White tried to fucking do some sort of Mortal Kombat shit-esque. <laughs> I don't know, again, speaking of video games, renting some island and shit, but then he got kiboshed, right? What, what's your... Actually, I was looking forward to it, because, again, we're making fun saying it's Mortal Kombat or whatever, but I would have liked something like Bloodsport in a secret remote location. The guys come out of, like, a cave entrance or something, right? Yeah, it's just, it's just not realistic. You, you just can't do it right now. However, however... I think we're bold prediction. We're probably going to get Fight Island at some point. Mm. I don't. I'm not even saying that it's going to be during this pandemic or during the quarantine. Right. I just think it's going to be an idea that Dana White just has. He, like he, he, this dude, this dude is incredible. <laughs> like he was, he was going to get a fucking island. Once I saw that Rose Namajunas pulled out, I was right. like, okay, because Ro- Rose is very smart. Yes, she's very smart. She's very aware of like just intuition and just when things don't seem right, she'll like back out of it. Like I I remember watching her and Pat Berry on Joe Rogan and they told the story about how like they were all like, they just went out one night, they had a party. Uh, They were in a party. Mm -hmm. They just went out one night, they were having fun or whatever. And then I don't know where Rose is just pulling people aside. Like, yo, we got to go like her screw her crew or whatever. Like, yo, we got to go. She just knew. And Pat Barry knows when Rose says it's time to go. It's time to go. And apparently there was a shootout that night that they avoided because Rose's intuition was crazy. So when I saw that she pulled out of this event, I remember that whole Pat Barry conversation. (laughs) Joe Rogan and and Rose was there as well. And I remember like, yo, Say if she pulled out, that something's wrong, man. And right. I, and it was disappointing because not disappointing, but it sucks because like you want to see fights, but you understand why you can't. Of course. But at some point, that's one of the fights. Her Jessica Andrade is one of the fights that I need to see a rematch of because okay. I think she was beating the hell out of Jessica Andrade before she just got slammed on her head. Right. She was boxing so incredibly. She looked right. like a WBC freaking champion boxer right before that happened and it was incredible but i do think that you know not having sports right now it also allows you to again just dip into the archives because things move too fast like no if you really think about it before this it's good that we're at least it sucks that we're losing a lot of lives but it's good that we're taking a deep breath and we're like yo we get to just go back and watch shit that we missed before because think about how fast our lives are we're on a day-to-day week-to-week basis we're just missing oh did you see that fight did you see that fight nah i saw these two but i didn't go see those three and you just missed so much shit exactly you know what i mean so now now it's like you can sort of like catch up on all that stuff and not really have the stress of yo i need to make money i need to make money because it's like we all do and a lot of us can right now you know what i'm saying of course and it's crazy yeah me i was looking forward to ferguson versus khabib and as soon as they said khabib was stuck in russia i was like even though, again, Gaethje is a good substitute, but I, how many times you got to get blue balls for this fucking fight? Like, you know what I mean? Five. 
Fuck, Five. man! That's how many fucking times. Jesus, you see what I mean? <laughs> and, and you see, you see Khabib when he was talking to Brett Okamoto. He's like, right. I swear to God, I swear to God, we're gonna fight. <laughs> he's like, I swear to God, we're gonna fight. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I swear to God, we're gonna fight. And I was just like, I mean. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Or they never fight, and this is a great movie to tell in about 10, 15 years from now. <laughs> Seriously. Like, yo, right? freaking Tony Ferguson breaks his leg, like, uh. the day before with, with he just steps on something, and then, like, a couple years later, a pandemic. Like, it's, it's the circumstances at which this fight falls apart. I can't, like, I just can't, <laughs> man. I just can't. <laughs> well, one last MMA talk. What about John Jones up to his old fiasco? Oh. Oh, my God, that guy, man. (laughs) Well, speaking of benefiting from a pandemic, because this is going on, fucking guy didn't even get charged, got let go. I don't even think he's going to have a record because of it. It was literally a slap on the wrist. Can you believe that? (laughs) I guess he knew what he was doing. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I I don't have much on John Jones. It's just, I just, like, in the middle of a pandemic, I heard a story about a, like, a friend was telling me the other day about how somebody he knows is, like, going out and trying to kick it to girls oh, shit. Uh, okay, during yeah. this time. And I'm like, yo, just people like him and John Jones, man. Like, I don't know what y'all be thinking. I know. Like, we're all literally supposed to be on lockdown. How are you drinking and driving right now? Right. Like, it, this doesn't make sense. And, and it sucks because with John Jones, you think that he's over it. You know what I mean? Like, you think that the days of him saying, I beat you after weeks of cocaine <laughs> is past us. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. But he's honestly the least of my worries right now. I don't know how this pandemic is going to affect him. I have no idea. But, you know, he was able to get off. And right. I still I, I still want to see him fight Daniel Cormier a third time. You and do? I don't know how this oh. is going to happen. No. Daniel Cormier wanted to retire last year. <laughs> you know what True. I mean? And now now pandemic. He wants Miocic and we're, we're That's not. That's what like, I want to see. I, I, I want to see Miocic. Me too. I want. I, well, I want to see DC do both, but I, I want to see him fight John Jones, a heavyweight, specifically heavyweight. Not oh, like, I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Okay, so him move yeah, yeah, up yeah, this yeah, time. Yeah. Okay, specifically okay, okay. a heavyweight. That's why. Sure. Okay. Um, and John Jones, you know, his last couple fights, he looked pretty vulnerable. I mean, <laughs> arguably lost the last one. So. Hey, it could, it could be because he was clean, and that's why he went back on the wagon again. He needs to go back yeah. into old school John Jones <laughs> and just mow through everybody, all hyped up on whatever he's on, right? <laughs> I mean, this is what people think Eminem should do to get back to his good, uh, his good oh, stuff. I so. know, right? I know. I don't even want to touch on the last album that he dropped that came out of nowhere because I don't even think that should have existed. But anyways, so I, I would argue that his whole career since two thousand nine should oh. have existed. But you know, that's another discussion for another day. <laughs> it is what it is, right? It is what it is. Okay. Well, before I bring on the next guest, because. Earlier this week, I had the privilege of talking to Brian Pillman Jr. once again. It was a nice little quick 20 or 25-minute talk. So before I shoot into that, what are you playing then? You brought up video games other than Street and all that other shit. Are you playing online? Because I know you're you're streaming too, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm just doing some streams here and there. It's not something where I'm like, yo, I'm going to become, you know, ninja. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not that. Okay. I'm, just doing it. I'm just doing it because I, I love video games and I could stream. Like I have the bandwidth to do it, so it's like you know why don't why don't I just do it and just have some fun? There are better ways of going about it that I could that I'm going to look into. Just just make it you know just look and appear better. But you know quarantine streams that's what I've been doing. But in terms of games I've been playing, yeah, just 
I was playing MLB The Show a lot yesterday. I've been going back into FIFA a little bit. Oh, there you go. Definitely, definitely still playing NBA because I'm in the playoffs right now. <laughs> Got, I'm using the Miami Heat. Got a series coming up with the Sixers. And, yeah, the Eastern Conference is getting crazy in there. And then, yeah, some old games, like, because of, because of all this is going on, I've been able to, you know, I look at my 360 and it's like, and this is what's incredible. I've been able to play Splinter Cell again. Oh, wow. Splinter Cell is my favorite non-sports video game series ever Shit. it might be my favorite video game series ever period oh, wow. and you know shout out to uh ubisoft montreal who's obviously had a big hand in that series so yep. up there in canada of course um splinter cell blacklist was the last one that came out in 2013 and that's actually i think one of the best ones of the series even though people didn't like the michael ironside uh, was the voice actor Michael Ironside, who I think is also from Toronto, by the way. Um, so See, Canadians everywhere. With, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> with Blacklist, it's a, it's a great game, and it came out in 2013, and it was one of these games where I spent a lot of time online between 13 and 14. Okay. So I look and I was like. I bought a month of Xbox Live just as a trial run. I was like, let me see if anybody's playing this shit online. And I found some games. There's still people. I mean, Fuck granted, it's probably, it's probably because of the quarantine. But I That's was able true. to find some games. Like, some people were still playing Splinter Cell online. You so I'm that? like, yo, let's go. <laughs> so I've been, I've been getting in some games. I sucked. In the, I sucked the first several games I played. Right, right. But I haven't played in six years. You know what of I mean? Of course, and yeah. You have to get back it's into like, it. I, it's so rusty, and now I got like Call of Duty fingers because I was playing <laughs> that for a while. Right. And it's a totally different. It's a totally different experience because it's stealthy and it actually requires skills. Whereas like Call of Duty is like fucking playing the Fast and the Furious. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it is what it is. But yeah, so it's, it's okay. just stuff like that. You, nice. just, you just look at the classics, um, and you just see see what works, and you get you. You're able to basically tap into your childhood one more time before all this is over. You got to right. be an adult again. <laughs> no, I hear you because what what I'm doing is um, we ended up copying uh, a switch. We actually found one. I don't oh. I don't know how we found it. My wife did some investigative research online one day. She went on. I think it was a Saturday morning. She hopped online and we found it out of Toys R Us because they're still open up here in Canada. And oh wow, yeah, yeah. That's I think it's the only country that has Toys R Us now is us because we apparently like Toys R Us. I don't know whatever, but. <laughs> So it was available. So we had to, it was one of those deals where you can't go in store. So you got to call ahead and then some guy comes out and literally puts it in your trunk. You know what I mean? And then you drive off. That's how safe they're doing it. So that was pretty cool. So we ended up getting it and it was like, yeah, I was like five years old. I'm playing Super Mario, playing Mario Kart. Like, you know what I mean? And all these things. And it's like, we would have never gotten a switch if we weren't in quarantine, right? Because the wife's yeah. home four days a week now. Well, sorry, six, if, I guess if you count the weekend. But So yeah. she has nothing to do, so now she could play it on her own. And it's like, yeah, it's you got to make the best of the situation, right? That's you all it to. is. Yeah, you have to. Isn't it? Like, it, it, look, there are certain things that people are fearing you know, more more so than anything else because they can't really control what this does. I think that's what so, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it is just controlling what you can control and, you know, you can really like make yourself feel like a kid again during these times. A lot of people say like, oh, they wish they were young again. They wish they were a kid again. They wish they could be six years old again or whatever. So go ahead and do it. You know what I mean? Like now's a chance. Yeah. You know, your boss ain't going to call you and be like, unless you like work in a hospital and you know certain things like that but right. for the most part your boss not going to call you be like yo you got to come in 8 a.m tomorrow like right. nah i mean you don't you don't got to go anywhere you shouldn't go anywhere right? unless you absolutely have thank to, like, you work like you're a healthcare, you know official uh like people in my family are so it's like you go, yeah you know for the most part if you can just tap into your old self do it, it now because i don't know when you're gonna get a chance to do it again period exactly and speaking of old self on to the next guest here's my segue for this guest 
In my old self, as a youngin, I used to love watching his father, Brian Pillman, on WCW, and Loose Cannon, Brian Pillman, in WWF, obviously. Great so, documentary. Yes, exactly. So, without further ado, I have two-time Rookie of the Year award winner, which we talk about, so I know, get that through your mind, two-time Rookie of the Year, right? So, <laughs> I just got it. Exactly. <laughs> so, we touch on that, amongst other stuff. He is also newly crowned Warrior Wrestling Champion, Mr. Brian Pillman, Jr., What's going on, my friend? How are you? Not much. Good to, good to hear back from you. Here we are. Yeah, it's, and, uh, it's been a while. Some, some pretty pretty strange times right now. <laughs> so the last time we talked was back oh, end of 2018, around October era. So, okay, first off, how do you win Rookie of the Year twice in a row? How, how are you still a rookie? <laughs> how does that even happen? Well, you know, there's there's different uh, different medias use different criteria, I suppose, and uh, it just so happened that uh, you know my rookie, my true rookie year, uh, was covered by <clears throat> the uh, Wrestling Observer uh, newsletter, okay. and I actually, which would be 2018, would be my true rookie year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ronda Rousey was also a rookie that year too, so she had actually won Rookie of the Year. And I got runner-up. I was basically second place for that. So gotcha. um, I think it was just a, a way for the for the media to come back around and recognize my efforts, especially uh, winning the MLW Rookie of the Year. You know, it just made sense. You mm-hmm. know, that MLW is a, a very, very popping product right now, and people are paying attention to it. So yep. I think Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, really – relates to a lot of the wrestlers there you know mm-hmm. a lot of us are featured in their magazines so i think it was their way of of giving me another you know another you know another right. applause so another i think uh, back-to-back rookie of the year is, is a great statement you know to start my career i think it's wonderful um i think i think they the people needed somebody to vote for that year they needed a young guy Right. That is, you know, still still learning, still getting better as the days go by. You know, I'm not an ultimately complete product yet. So it's, uh, and when I say that, that's just that's just scary because just looking at how far I've come in such a short amount of time, right? Um, I do think I deserve to be recognized as the rookie of the year. It just so happened that PWI released theirs a year later. You know, right? Well, yeah, I guess. But who's to say I can't win it again? Who's to say the Wrestling Observer newsletter doesn't even, you know, so. Go for it three times. But they had already rated me that year, you know. So they had already rated me that year. And then MLW rated me that, that, the year I worked for them, you know, so. Right. I was technically, I've technically been voted in the top rookies for three different, you know, Wrestling Observer, MLW, and PWI, so. All right, there you go. I guess we'll just it makes sense. put it out there. I'm the rookie of the year. Nobody <laughs> else is. Nobody else has won it. So I've won it. Congratulations, Ronda Rousey. Hats off to you. There she you got go. it the year I was supposed to win it. So. Oh, there you go. But okay. So, time, you know. so what's okay? You had your real rookie when I talked rookie of the year when I talked to you back in 2018. What's the difference that you've noticed, not only in yourself but in MLW as well as a whole? From 2018 to, today, to today's version of MLW, um, you know, just more, more, more consistency. You know, I'm, I'm definitely a much more consistent worker right now. I'm going out there and putting on much better matches. You know, taking care of my body better, um, taking care of my opponents better. 
uh, getting them over. You know, I know how to I know how to tell stories and know how to get guys over. And if you're in the ring with me, it's going to be really physical. You know, it's going to be very very entertaining. It's going to be very uh, very very physical. So I, I bring a lot of intensity to the table, and I bring a lot of crowd reaction to the table. So, you know, if you're going to have a match with me, it's probably going to be a pretty big match for you. You know, you're going to have a lot of fans involved and invested in the match because they're that much more invested in me. So I like to say that I can make some stars out of people, and I've proven that. So I'm going to continue to do that and continue to contribute to the business that I love uh, each weekend. But right now, there's not much going on. Right. Uh, but but we can we can we can hone in on our craft in other ways, and we can we can stay at home and uh, and study and stay you know stay on top of it. So, other than Davy Boy Smith, obviously, who has been like a major role model for you backstage in MLW? Because there's a lot of veterans that have been in and out, and even you have revolving doors where you got certain talent that comes in that is so called veteran as well. So, who has helped you the most other than Davy Boy Smith, as mentioned? Well, Davey Boy, just, you know, all around super good role model for me, has always pushed me to uh, stay in great physical shape. He has always taught me different techniques in grappling and, and such. So he's always just constantly giving me information, pr- proving to be that that base mentor for me um, in life, too. You know, we're, 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 we have a lot in common, me and Davey Boy. We've had some similar um, tragedies and some similar upbringings in our lives so right. we really relate to one another and we're brothers you know so and he's really proud of me and how far I've come so that that's when I knew that I was starting to figure things out and get a lot better is once I earned his approval you know because he wasn't going to bullshit me right of course yeah Davey Boy and also Low Key has been a huge oh, uh, player in my development as, as a professional wrestler and as a fighter and as, as a serious contender so if it wasn't for guys like that, I wouldn't be able to have the matches that I'm having now. You know, I wouldn't be able to be in that position. So, so what about what's one thing that again, being young, having the mentality that you know it all, the world's in the palm of your hands. What's something looking back now that you're like, I 100 percent know this is right, but now that you've been in the business so long, you're like, what an idiot! Why did I think that way? Is there anything? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always go back and think, oh, why would I do that? You know, and, and, and why did I? say that to that person and, and just different mm-hmm. things, you know, you have to, you always, if you don't look back with a little bit of regret and, and, and wishing you knew better, right. then you never learn, right? You have to do makes that sense. to learn. So I guess that does make I'm sense. Always, I'm always learning, constantly improving myself and, and who I am. So, right. um, and a lot of people see that. A lot of people see that improvement. A lot of people saw that I was a huge contender coming into this from the beginning because of the mm-hmm. way I look and the way I take care of myself. And that's always been a huge important factor for me too, is really looking the part. No, that's right. And again, it shows in ring, obviously. So what's the weirdest thing to happen to you so far? I don't think I asked you the last time in the ring, like anything strange, anything you thought that, what the fuck's going on here? Hmm. Yeah. One time I was fighting with low key in the, in the turnbuckle in the corner Mm. and, uh, you know, we're going back and forth trading blows and, and I've never worked with the with the Mexicans with luchadors uh, before. You know, I hadn't learned their style of really traditional lucha. So, and a lot of their stuff, they use chairs and everything. And, mm. and I'm just sitting in there, and and then uh, uh, L.A. Park just comes in, and swings swings a, a stool like a short stool chair to the back of my head. Mm. And then my head clinks with low keys. So we just I just got a sandwich in between a skull and a chair. 
And then I was just like, holy crap. And that's just the thing. They don't, you know, sometimes they blindside you. Sometimes they, you know, they get you, you know, you gotta be careful with those more, those hardcore guys, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't give a shit. So, Uh, but I learned some lessons that night, you know, as I do every night, you know, with, with, within MLW working Mm -hmm. with such a high level roster, sometimes you learn to go out there and fend for yourself, you know, or you might get fucked up. So (laughs) that was always a learning experience. No, that's cool. So what do you want, like, okay, I, I like to ask this from a person who's in the business. What do you want to see changed or what do you want to change about the business that you think would better it in the long run? Um, no, you know, I, I think that there's, right now there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of styles that are too similar and like not not enough people are stepping outside the box mm. and a lot of people are just following the bread and butter sure. you know the bread and butter cooking up you know kind of sequences and uh, i think it hurts the business in a lot of ways and i think seeing a lot of the same stuff being done over and over right uh really hurts the business because it's like why would people watch the next show you know why would they come back if this is just going to be this you know like every time this you know so um no i think people are starting to learn people are starting to get better about it um for sure you know and uh and 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 everything goes in cycles everything goes in waves you know different things are popular different styles are popular at different times but no i would just like to see some more creativity as far as guys really embracing their their inner you know their fighting spirit and and not being so you know afraid to step outside the box and and especially going through this i guess recession or break period off season um Mm -hmm. people are going to have to really stand out you know there's going to be a lot of saturation when come back Um, a lot of shows going on a lot of excitement you know so now is the best time than ever to really look and look inward and, and try to produce something more no of course uh, i totally agree now besides mlw you also wrestle for warrior and you became their champion so how was that whole experience because this was a war of attrition match which i have no idea what that that is to begin with is it some sort of gauntlet match uh yeah no yeah the war of attrition match was was really cool uh, and, and and the rules definitely made a lot of sense to me once they once they explained it to us before entering battle. Okay, um, it was uh, started as a three versus three. Oh, or no, okay. no, four versus four. It was an eight man, an eight man tag, right? Okay, and uh, it started off with 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 uh, you know four versus four, and then the winner of that. Mm-hmm breaks off into two tag teams and then the two tag teams face each other. Right. right? And then after the two tag, whoever wins the tag team match, they have to face each other in a singles. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Okay. And then yeah. that's how it breaks so, it down. It was, it was really interesting. I really enjoyed it. It was cool. And who was in the tournament then? The likes of who? Uh, it was me and Mike Elgin and Sam Adonis and Lance Archer. Nice. Lance Hoyt. Um, and it was also uh, Frank the Clown <laughs> was in the beginning. I had okay. to kick him in the face. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, he's an asshole. And then Frank, go. let's see. Let's see. Who else did we have? Oh, yeah. Uh, Taurus. Oh, okay, Taurus, go. the luchador. Yeah, nice. Bro. Okay, so yeah, that it sounds like awesome. a legit crew right there alone, right? Yeah, it was legit. Yeah. Nice. And Andrew Everett, that's his name. Oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah, even better. Andrew Everett's another great guy. 
And also, you participated in AAW's inaugural pay-per-view, Double or Nothing, in the Battle Royal. What feeling did you get in coming out to that? Because like, no one was expecting you to show up there, and you just popped out of nowhere, and it was a one-time deal, so to speak. And what was going through you being on like the big, so to speak, stage of the big bright lights and all that? Not just like MLW, but obviously everyone knows the two big shows nowadays are AEW and WWE, right? So how was that coming out for the first time and just getting that pop and having people know who you are? Like, I'm sure that must have been amazing, right? Oh, it was great. Um, just an insane pop from the crowd. 13,000 people. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I loved it. You know, it was great to be out in Vegas at the MGM Grand, you know, and to, right, to, and to make make some magic happen. Um, so, no, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, uh, uh, that was a huge opportunity but also uh, just an opportunity to get my face out there, but not too much. You know, we don't have to give them too much, just a little bit at a time True. to keep showing these people that I can compete on these bigger stages. And within MLW, we've been having some huge arena shows down in Mexico, and those have been also a, a test of my ability in right. the ring. So constantly leveling up, and, and that was a big stepping stone for me and, and possibly open up an opportunity for me at that company one day down the road. So, you know, anything can happen at this point. No, obviously, and it's true. It's always leave the doors open. Don't let them slam behind you, right? Absolutely. Perfect. And you mentioned it, you wrestling in Mexico. How was that whole experience going down there? Was that your first time? Uh, yeah, yeah. So first Absolutely. off, how was wrestling in front of a Mexican audience compared to like a North American crowd? That was my second time. I've done okay. it twice now. Yeah. So, so what's the difference in, that you find between the Mexican crowd and the North American crowd? Well, that was my last match, right? That was my most recent show. Oh. Was Tijuana for there the MLW tapings. Yeah. So I, you know, it's still pretty fresh in my mind, you know, and it's I'm still that's the last high I've been riding on, you know, from that from that fight. So. Um, all I can say is that the crowds are nuts, you know, the crowds are wild and crazy and they really treat you like a star, you know, they really go hard, you know, they'll be throwing beer and stuff at the bad guys, <laughs> like they, they love it. And, uh, it's just an incredible experience to have some real fans like that. You know, I, I know it's just, it's a whole nother world there, you know, and, and, and the crowd in Doha in Qatar and over in the Middle East, that right. was an insane, uh, feeling too you know tons of tons of kids going nuts and like really believing and loving loving it so no that's good and you also wrestled in england this year right or this past year so out of those three what was the most memorable experience that you you got to witness because i noticed you pulled some crazy stuff from mexico holding monkeys and stuff like that because i was there for 10 days i was there for 10 days and i got to experience like the heritage of my family and stuff like my family's welsh and stuff so um yeah, I got to experience that and, and uh, also just get to see all the sights and stuff. So that was a wonderful experience. Um, but yeah, as far as crowds go, I would say my favorite crowd would be in Mexico, though, out of those three. And how about, I don't know if you're a food guy, but what's your favorite place to eat then, if you had a choice out of those three? Oh, definitely in Mexico for sure. Yeah. Actually, no, I would say in Doha, okay. they gave us amazing food from all over the world because it's just oh, such a rich country that they right. had everything. Yeah, the food there was awesome. Oh, that's cool. For some reason, no matter where I go, right. the food is always better in America. Really? Like, yeah. Like, when, like I don't know. Like, it just is the, the way we've Americanized our food. Or maybe I'm just used to it, but I don't know. I've been to a lot of different places, a lot of different countries, and... I don't 
You know, I love to think of it. I, I think it's being from Canada. When I go to the States, I notice a certain different taste. Like your foods are more sweeter and saltier than ours up here. And obviously everyone yeah. knows the portions are a lot bigger too, right? But when, when I go abroad to other places like Europe or in the Caribbean, I think it's just as good as up here in Canada. I, I don't really notice a difference. But then again, maybe the standards are different, like you're saying too, right? So who knows? Yeah. So you were holding a monkey in Mexico. What, what was that all about? And were you, because everyone knows, everyone hears about these monkey stories, about ripping people's faces off or anything. Was that going through oh, your mind no, at any no, point no. in mind? Or? No, I mean, I okay. knew there was, he was, he was a small monkey. You oh, know? okay. I, mean, okay I knew they were strong and I knew that there was some potential for aggression, right? right. But how much can he do? You know, I could break him in half, right? <laughs> That's true too. <laughs> Uh, so what are you keeping busy nowadays are you playing some video games or are you, i'm assuming doing a lot of podcasts working out what, what else has been on the agenda for brian pillman yeah yeah i know i've been, been staying up with the media i've been doing a lot of podcasts uh my buddy's got a private little gym we can go to and, oh, nice. and obviously been, been killing some time with some games too so what are you gaming right now what's your thing um well my buddy comes over we play some street fighter okay and i've been playing some wow classic as well Oh, nice. So who's your go-to in Street Fighter? Uh, I've been playing Ken and Kage. Okay, so you go with the classic with Ken. Okay, nice. Yeah, I, I, I'm a Ken guy myself. I, I'm, I'm not up to date with the new ones. I'll go as far, maybe Street Fighter 2, Championship Edition. That's, how, I guess, yeah. the newest I'll play. But, again, I'm old school, so that's probably why. <laughs> what about, um, like, are you into third-person games, like first-person into, like, the Battle Royale type shit, too, or are you just strictly into those? Yeah, I, I played Apex for a while. I uh, I never got into Fortnite, but I did play Apex for a bit. And then I hear this new Call of Duty Warzone is really good. Yeah, I hear that, too. I hear there's a lot of people going towards that nowadays. And even with, I know it has nothing to do with it, but on the Switch, uh, the Animal Crossing, everyone's talking about that online. Yeah. How about empty arena matches? I, I was wondering your aspect about this. Is, do you enjoy watching it? Do you want? Would you like to participate? One? Do you think there's room uh, for? Personally, I don't think it's it does the wrestling any justice, and I, okay. I don't like it. You know, so uh, I would hope that there, you know all these all these matches being done with no crowd are, are awesome because they're contributing to you know, the wrestling and the wrestlers and keeping everybody supported and stuff. So, no, I mean, I think it's a great thing um, for wrestling, for sure. But I just personally do not um, see the value in it. Like, as far as, I don't think it's proper wrestling to not have a crowd there. And that's just my opinion. Sure. Well, it was funny. Because I think that, that, like, as a performer, so much depends on the reaction of the crowd that, you know, I, I, it wouldn't make any sense. Well, that's the thing, because uh, as of this recording, WrestleMania just happened, and my wife was watching it with me, and she's like, why does it feel so different? Why does it feel so like, it feels like it was like a rehearsal match. It was like, it didn't look like real. And I'm like, because the audience is there. Every time a move goes down, you want that pop. Every time something, you want the crowd to react, so then the wrestler reacts with the crowd and vice versa, right? And you don't really yeah, get that. Yeah, didn't do it any justice to the art, yeah. What about the Hall of Fame happening? Obviously, it didn't go down, but this year it would have happened, and it's probably very close to you with uh, the British Bulldog going in and even Jushin mm-hmm. Thunder Liger, who has a tie with your I'm father sorry. as well. Well, okay, let's start with Davey Boy Smith, obviously. How, well, obviously, you, with his son and everything, but as the British Bulldog himself, how crucial and how much of a person did this guy influence your style of wrestling as well? 
um, it's it's incredible. Like it's, it's just amazing to look up and see my father and his father like be good friends and like be best friends. And when I watch all these old clips and old videos, and of course we have some different family photos of them together and hanging out. And maybe Georgia sends me something and. It's just really cool, man. It's really cool to be a part of a family and to look up to that legacy. You know, uh, I think the British Bulldog influenced a lot of us with his style of wrestling and the different things he could do. And, and it's just crazy how he's influenced the whole wrestling business. And obviously, I've taken after him. I've taken moves from Davy Boy Smith Jr. that he took from his dad and stuff yeah. like that. So we've always, we've kind of cross-influenced all each other in a way where, you know, it's like you're wrestling royalty, you know, you have something to, to look up to, you have somebody to, to look back and say, oh, wow, I'm a part of something bigger than me, you know, so it's been really cool. And what about Liger? How, again, being tied to your father and all, and I believe you got to wrestle him this past year, or you were supposed to wrestle him? Yeah, it was great. I wrestled him in a, oh, in a tag match with some other, there were some young lions from New Japan in the, in the group, so that was a lot of fun um, to experience getting to play with them, or getting to play, getting to wrestle with them. <laughs> Uh, and uh, play ball, I guess, with them. But uh, no, they they were great, young, hungry, um, just getting after it. The New Japan system makes it so that they've got to really hone in on their basics and, and keep it simple. So it was a really fun, easy match, and and I got to wrestle one of my father's, you know, legendary opponents, legendary rivals. You know, oh, it's on me to create my own rival and create my own Jushin Liger that people can look back on. Sure. No, that makes sense, too. And what about your favorite Liger match? Do you have any that you could think of off the top of your head? Uh, well, I, I will say that, I, of course, I love his match with my dad, you know. <laughs> Most definitely. Championship. That's like, obviously, I've watched that a hundred times. That's got to be my favorite. Right. But now I actually popped in this disc uh, that somebody sent me of a bunch of Liger's matches. Mm. And one of his matches has my trainer, Lance Storm, in it. Oh, okay. So that was really cool to like see him on there. And uh, so, yeah, I, I really like that match, too, because it has Lance in it. <laughs> oh, that's not bad. Yeah. So, i got to ask, how's the mullet doing? Full force? Still going strong? You're not going to get I rid of it? I guess I should take it out, huh? <laughs> there we go. There it is. Still going strong. Wow. <laughs> There it is. Lo and behold, I'll show it to you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm doing good. It's, it's, it's really grown out. Um, I haven't been able to uh, get my, uh, I haven't been able to get my haircut, you know, trimmed up in a bit. So um, it's, it's looking a little raggedy right now. <laughs> Well, I'm sure everyone's is right about that because I'm seeing that's the biggest complaint now online too is people not being able to cut their hair, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's unreal. Oh my god! So I know there's really nothing going on, but where can people get your merchandise? Help you out? The places to hook up with you, all that fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Check me out on uh, check me out on Instagram at flyingbrian41 and Twitter at flyingbrianjr. You can always shoot me a DM and, and order some merchandise eight by tens through me. Right. If not, uh, you know you can always go to prowrestlingtees.com. Look up Brian Pillman Jr. Got a lot of different designs. You know, things are things are a little rough right now, and, and, right. and they might be running slow. But, you know, we can always get something out there, get something out there for you guys. So don't even sweat. Well, once again, Brian, thank you for coming aboard. It was nice to reconnect and catch up for a bit. So until next time, all the best, my friend. Awesome. Thank you. 
All right, so that was Brian Pillman Jr. Obviously, flamboyant character, very characteristic, and you know he's going to make it into business. It's in his blood, second generation, and all that sort of stuff. So, speaking of wrestlers, now I come back, obviously, with Brian Fonseca. No, he's not a wrestler, but we have now on the line, we've piped him in, returning guest, friend of the show, Mr. Tyson Dukes. What's up, buddy? What's going on? I, I kind of miss that I don't get to have breakfast with you and my wife, but... You know, this will have to do for now, right? I know. I guess I'll, I'll send a new breeds to your house. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in charge of my own breakfast is what you're telling me. Thank you. Pretty much, in a nutshell. Right. <laughs> so what's going on with you? How have you been keeping sane? Because obviously, wrestling is your, lo- your, your bloodline. You do it. You do it for a living, full-time, all that. What are you doing to keep sane? What are you doing to keep busy? Are you staying in shape? Are you fat now? What's going on? Well, that's the thing. I, well, I will say this. I will say this. And I, I'm sure everybody's feeling this way. Is like uh, food is directly linked to comfort. So I feel as though everybody's eating massive amounts of calories. Like, I don't think there's many people starving out there. If, they're, <laughs> if their fridge is there, they're right. eating. And I feel as though I've, I've, I've started to eat uh, more calories now than ever before. But I'm using it to my advantage. I still work out every day. I just I, I push it a little bit harder every day. Um, like, we have body, uh, we have body resistant type exercises, you know, like calisthenics. Sure. Uh, I also have a few weights and stuff like that that I can throw around and a heavy bag. So I've made sure to take my frustrations out on that. Um, because what are you going to do? Like there's like every right. gym's closed, everything's closed well, with good reason. Um, and so I just, I've been very, very focused on working out on my own and me and my wife have been nonstop, like one of us takes care of the kids. One of us is working on our shop at our house, at our residence, mm-hmm. which we're turning into our new personal training gym slash professional wrestling school. So my wrestling Sick. school will eventually move out of the studio that you met, yep. you were at, Steve. Yep. And then you're going to be coming over here to try this stuff out again at my own residence. So, Well, as long as... It's good. As long as you don't hurt me or like the old school... Don't be like the Hart family dungeon stories I hear about. I don't need you to stretch me. <laughs> You are on my pl- you're on my property, so you will just <laughs> have to abide by the rules, and that just means good old fashioned stretching. You know what I mean? Oh my I god! Get all curly fingered on you, like <laughs> if my fingers start curling, I start talking real low. Get away! Run! Run! Son! Run! <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna show up pure fucking Rick Steiner with the headpiece on and the singlet. <laughs> it probably wouldn't hurt, right? It probably wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Well, the reason why I have you on, obviously, because everyone's bored and it's nice to connect and see how everyone's doing, first off and foremost, of course. But, again, Dark Side of the Ring, Season 2 has dropped. You were involved in this as, as you were involved in Season 1. And we'll, I guess we could start off with the Benoit episode, since that's the one you were in. First off and foremost, I, I just need to get it from your take as a wrestler. How do you feel about the whole Benoit thing? Can you separate the performer from the person? What, what's your take from it being in the business yourself? I uh, see this. This one's a. I get this question a lot, and I, I don't. I don't want people to feel as though I'm cold. It's just my. Uh, it's just how I'm built. Of course. Uh, emotionally, emotionally, uh, being the kind of guy that, and I know a lot of people are like this. They just won't admit it. I. I can detach from anything. Oh. Like I have. If you wrong me, I. I no longer have to talk to you, and sure. I will never ever think of you again. Uh, like my ex-wife. You know what I mean? Even on a personal level. Sure. You know what I mean? As soon as you're out of my life and I, I'm clear and I just have my children, uh, I don't I don't have to talk to you ever again. I, uh, like, I just have that way. 
the same with my family. If my family, I have some people that I'm not very close with in my family. If I, if they so chose to not go that route, I have no problem cutting you out. That's just how I am. Of course. So in this situation, I knew Chris mm-hmm. uh, not well. I'm not saying that I, we were best friends, but I, I was a, a work colleague in the 2000s, 2002 to 2004. Okay. And then again, before he passed away in 07, uh, I did tryout matches and had uh, lots of lots of opportunity to talk with him. Sure. And he was a great guy. And the performer that he was is who I wanted to be. When mm. I was 17 years old, I aspired to get into professional wrestling because of Chris Benoit. Right. Chris Benoit was my style. He's the guy that I try to emulate, especially when I was training. And he's the guy that when I felt like days where I was all banged up and I wanted to quit, he was the guy I thought about, like, my God, Chris went through this. If he can do it, I can do it. And it was he was he's always been my wrestling role model. Mm. So to detach the horrible tragedy from him is no problem. Because I as an in-ring performer, he's still one of my favorites and I still watch his matches. Okay. But the horrific uh, incident that happened with all with Nancy and their son and Daniel and stuff. Of course. I can uh, I don't I'm not never ever gonna defend him. I'm never going to say that uh, what he did was right or that uh, defend him like, oh, maybe he was had drugs or whatever. But I will say that he was a damaged human being by mm. that point. There was some damage inflicted on his brain yeah. and uh, either emotionally or psychologically or physically, whatever it was, to push him to that level of insanity um, you can, you're just dealing with a damaged human being right. and it's not the first one and it definitely won't be the last one in any industry. Um, that's, you know, that's my take on that. Right. You know? No, of course. And what about you, Brian? As you've reported on wrestling before in the past and you being a journalist yourself and also being a fan, of course, what's your take yeah. on the whole situation? How do you see it? I mean, it, it, so it sort of brought back memories of how I first sort of heard about it when it happened. Because the whole, the whole, that whole weekend was just weird, right? I remember the triple threat match that he was supposed to be in at Night of Champions. I, if it was a triple threat, I don't know. If, I don't think it was a triple threat actually. I think it was just going to be him versus CM Punk straight up. Yes, it was for the and ECW then, title at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I had remembered just watching it and like, why is John Morrison coming out? Why is John Morrison winning? You know what I mean? When we thought, okay, if he's not here, CM Punk definitely has to win. What happened to Chris Benoit? Uh, We didn't really hear about it. Like, they just kind of said, oh, you know, here's what's happening. And then John Morrison comes out, beats CM Punk. And then I think it was the next day, this is when AIM was like popping. And people had like uh, AIM Messenger at the time, and sure. you know I'm in middle I'm in middle school, so my friend just sends me a message, and it comes up. It just says Benoit is dead in all caps. I'm like, what are you talking about? So go on WWE.com, look at the homepage. Oh shit, this is actually happening. Right. And then you know go off to school, and then we have you know, and we're, this is in June, so we're like at the end basically, you know, exams and stuff. I don't even remember what middle school like if they did exams and stuff. We had friends that were crying because wow. we all watched wrestling at of the course. time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then I remember watching Raw that night where they did the Benoit tribute that they actually mentioned in Dark Side of the Ring and you know, they just it was just uh, the tributes and his greatest matches and stuff like that. And then later that week on SmackDown I think is when they made the decision 
not to speak of him again because they found out like what the cause of it was. So it just brought back memories of just trying to process uh, through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it was just a very weird time. And I've had sort of a very weird experience in like watching Chris Benoit matches since, because mm-hmm. I guess because I didn't experience him up close and I have sort of a different experience with that as a whole, just Makes watching sense. it from afar. Sure. It's harder to separate the two, okay. but I could still watch his matches and be like, yo, this dude is one of the five, 10 best wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. Right. You know what I mean? Like I can still, I can still make that distinction. I can still watch WrestleMania 20 and be like, damn, this is an amazing performance. I could even watch when he lost to Randy Orton in SummerSlam that year when he lost the title yep. and be like, yo, this is incredible. Even though he lost, you know, this is an amazing performance to put Randy Orton over and give a 24-year-old the world title at the time. You know what I mean? And, you know, he's been in a lot of my favorite matches, but yeah, it's been it's been just sort of weird to process. But I've also read uh, Chris Jericho's book, the first two, and in the second one, he talks pretty extensively about just what that was like as, mm. you know, his friend and how weird it was basically getting toward the end of that, like documentary detail. And yeah, it just sort of brought me back to that and just how weird it was. But I think it's like what you said, Tyson, it's, you know, it's two different people, you know, there's Chris Benoit pre, you know, I guess whatever trauma that was. And then there's Chris Benoit that was suffering during that time that led him to, you know, do what he did and, you know, exit this world in the way that he did. No, exactly. And I'm on the same boat as Tyson because I grew up watching Benoit. Like, I remember when he first broke in, Pegasus Kid, all that shit over in Japan, like all, all that stuff, right? And watching from WCW to WWF. And yeah, I'm like Tyson. I could separate it because, not that I knew him personally, obviously, but I knew him as the performer versus the person who he ended up being. You know what I mean? And again, right. same thing. I'm not going to glorify it. I'm not going to say it was because of certain circumstances. Everyone knows what happened. It's shitty all around. You know what I mean? But you have to be able sometimes to separate, I guess, the performer from and especially when it's involving different circumstances that are uncontrollable and then especially at the time when no one knew about anything right that's the other thing well that's 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 the problem is that there's a lot of people out there um that will snap and then there'll be issues like he's not the first that they try to cover up uh situations where there was domestic abuse or substance abuse or anything of that nature it's entertainment so it, it comes in hand in hand in the territory of being so fatigued and so drained of something emotionally right. it's just he took his to a disgusting level that the rest of them maybe uh, like just didn't or didn't have the chance to or got out of the situation or were arrested at the time right. before it escalated. Uh, that's that's just a thing. We don't know like we don't know how it would play out uh, had he you know had a left a day earlier. We don't know. We don't yeah. know how and like any of these guys, any of these guys for in any any sports mm-hmm. like MMA guys are built to be dogs. They're supposed to be violent dogs in there. You know, that see another man on the other side and will rip his throat out. That's just the nature of it. But as soon as it's over, they're handshaking and they're bowing to each other exactly. out of respect. So, where these guys are the same, they're just, you know, you're just built on a different level. And then whenever that trigger, that switches, like if it's faulty, <laughs> you know what I mean? God right. knows, you know, look exactly. at Toro Gotti. One of the greatest boxers of all time. His wife ended his life. Uh, we don't really talk about that very often, but right. like we know, we know because she did it, and she wasn't famous, but Arturo was. But we we know now that he was 
heavily, heavily abusive on her. Right. And like that's that's noted that he abused her and then eventually she had enough. But that never gets the kind of play that this will because this is both uh, murder suicide and yeah. then there's a young child involved that's as well. Exactly. But honestly, do, like like what goes through a guy's brain in my mind if i was if like i i try to play that scenario out uh, like after doing uh, dark side of the ring mm. when i did hear about this and then he did but like what he did but like when he snapped and he took his wife's life and then later on it took him a full day before he did the act on daniel like what goes through his mind is he feels though he doesn't want to leave this boy alone in life mm. And feels like he was a like a religious guy putting Bibles beside their bodies and stuff right. like that. Did he feel as though uh, he was better? He was better taken care of by them and another life and another plane. We don't know. We yeah. don't know. We know that it's, uh, that's that's terrible and horrible. Yep. But and I'm again not defending it. No, of course. But your your brain is just wherever your brain is. One, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Especially with his boy, like because yeah. he did medicate him first so it was not not outright as violent an act it was almost like a mercy almost like a mercy thing but right. you know what i mean yeah yeah no so, of course of course so now how so touchy so touchy it is you know what i mean it is well again it's good for a good conversation on podcasts because people don't give two shits about podcasts so it's not like they're gonna come after us so we could say whatever we want <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing too, and I think a lot of people aren't brave enough. I don't think people it's, are you know it, that's willing it, enough. Yeah. It feels though there's going to be a whole lot of backlash. Yeah. And like I put up a Twitter uh, uh, message saying, you know, when I did play the character, mm-hmm. how like he like he was my guy, he was my hero growing up. And then of course I had a little bit like not as much as I did have positives, but there were right. people because people online are super judgmental and super brave <laughs> you know they're super brave yes of course so how was it playing benoit I, you know what uh when i was given the role and i was excited about the role yeah. uh it was a great experience um and they did tell me as soon as i got there okay. listen we know that you're like you know the benoit thing with you and stuff like that and we're in no way going to make this distasteful. Okay. Even uh, even at the end of it, when uh, when he does hang himself, we're going to keep this as not light, but we're going to keep this as respectful as we possibly can. Because sure. it's not about the actions; it was about the the story, like telling the story, mm-hmm. getting it out there, and then going on from there. Right. You know what I mean? Of so course. to get it to the point where we talk about David and the healing process after the fact. Mm-hmm. So. It was, it was really those guys, Evan and Jason, are just like awesome dude, like awesome dudes, and like they're they're that whole series is just is amazing. I it love is. that whole series. That Dark Side series is one of the best things on TV right now, which is great. No, it is, and uh, don't worry, we'll touch on the other two episodes shortly. But Brian, do you have any questions about the, the Benoit episode for Tyson? Yeah, I mean, just just as this is, I mean, you touched on this already, Tyson, but just as this is going on. You know, what's the thought process like as you're, you know, you're doing this scene and you're doing this and you're being told to do this? Like, is, like what's sort of coming back to you? Like, what, what, what's your mind? Like, what's going through your mind during these times? Uh, the, you know, when I was talking about the detachment and getting away from them and detaching from it? Yeah. And they, because I detached right away. So when I found out what he, it was him 
and it wasn't like a burglary or whatever. We thought it was a break and enter or something like that. We had no information. So when the information came that it was him and that he had committed this, and then I I just steered clear of it. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to go any further like everybody else in the world. But as right. <laughs> soon as the Jason would, uh, was directing it, would come up and say, okay, here's the scene, here's the interview. So he'd show me how I was supposed to play it. Uh, it would take me like a few minutes where we'd have a conversation like, this is this was darker than I thought it was. Mm. And I knew it wasn't going to be good, but this is one of those things where this is this is heavy, heavy stuff. So every, every time he would he, we would go through it and he would give me a couple minutes he gave me the directions that i needed to do and to follow and then i would just follow him like not robotically but like um stoically i guess just did my job you know what i mean by that point but then before every scene he made sure to tell me the interview part tell me what they were doing and then explain what was going on at the time or what is investigated at the time so we'd have a second like oh my god it's so dark and heavy, and then we could move on from there. So it was okay. it was a bit of a a little bit of a process, not not crazy amount of time, but it was one of those things where we always had to discuss, had to go over it, and then uh, we put into action basically. So great guys, like great for that stuff. Right. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, let's touch on the second episode then, which is probably my favorite episode. Is the New Jack episode. Oh. Now, I got to ask, Tyson, have you had, had any dealings with New Jack over your career? I have never once wow. had okay. to deal with New Jack. And, like, I've worked everybody. I've worked the Dudley Boys. I've right. worked Nunzio. I've worked, you know, everybody up and down the ECW plane of existence. Sure. But never once. Because I'm a, I'm a, a wrestler, a, like a pure wrestler by nature. Like, I'm yes. uh, pure into the sport of, like, chain and technical wrestling and bringing a reality to it mm-hmm. and i've never ever really i started in a little bit of hardcore to get in the door of some companies when i okay. first started out but never to the extent that a new jack would be at right well i could only could just, <laughs> yeah new jack's on a different level i don't know if it's his i don't give a fuck attitude about himself or about other people that brings me into his aura like you know what i mean like just that whole uh, obviously you got to touch on it. if people haven't watched it go back spoilers spoilers but again this is all shit that's been out there so it's nothing new that scaffold match oh my <laughs> fucking like what has to go through so again he explains it but in your case what what would someone be thinking to throw someone off a scaffold and to admit to it after be like no i, I meant to throw him away from the ring so he would hurt himself like what the like what's wrong with you <laughs> i like People have died, like almost died in like those type of situations where right. you fall that far. Like that was far. Of that course, was high up there, and like he was looking to kill him, basically, right? Yeah. But like we know, we know New Jack stories, and we've seen New Jack stories all. Like doesn't shock me. The mass transit thing is yes. disgusting. Uh, the Gypsy Joe stuff is disgusting. Yep. And you see it online. Some of these indie kids that. Um, are like half trained. See, this is the problem is New Jack comes with, I, I'm not saying this to be a jerk. I'm <laughs> saying this hardcore style is almost on the way of, uh, not a garbage style, but a very low brow style. Right. So you can work anybody in this style. That's willing to take a real good beating. And okay. now there is an art to it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There's an art to uh, a fine art to hardcore wrestling. If it's done well, Mm-hmm. Uh, but these guys don't know this. 
And the guys that book New Jack in shows are like, they can't get work anywhere else, so they bring them in, they pay them to work with them, and they're not trained. And they don't understand that there's an actual science and an art form and a way of going about how they're about to wrestle. Right. And when New Jack comes in, and he is not... Uh, he's a professional, he knows how to do it, but you're working with kids that don't know how to do it, and you mm-hmm. take your art seriously, and then you just don't give a shit about any other human being except getting paid and moving on. Right. That's, that makes for a very, very scary uh, scary kind of situation, because he's, he, like, he had, his conscience level is on, like, it's on a, like, you have to dig deep to get a conscience right. out of him. Because you're tasing a human being and throw him off a scaffolding where he doesn't, like, he has no more function of his body. Right. You've tased the man, and now you're throwing his lifeless, half lifeless body off of, like, three floors is basically what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And for him to just, and Cornette said it it was like, it was fool's luck is like to, that he didn't die. It really was. Him hitting the ropes is the only thing that made it look uglier and nastier, but actually saved his life hitting those ropes like he did. Oh my god. So you said you started with some hardcore matches. What was the craziest headshot or shot of all time that you've taken? Well, brothers. This man was a, a professional wrestler in the 90s. Okay. I've wrestled in the 90s. Uh, now it was late 90s, but I've been in I, I'm in the 90s. Right. So go back and watch any pro wrestling you see in the 90s. Right. It's those steel chairs or <sighs> steel chairs and you don't bring your hands up. You just tuck your chin yeah. and turtle your neck into your body and like there's been times where there was just i remember taking a head like a chair shot Mm -hmm. and just seeing that super flash of white light and then just being completely loopy for the rest of the for the rest of the match and like that's the thing you're not only just getting smoked in the head with a chair Mm -hmm. where you're not bringing your hands up then you are you have to perform and you have to use uh, athletic type movement right after the fact when most people that's like uh, boxing and getting a half knocked out right. and like you have the ropes to rely on but no I don't have them to rely on because now I got to go and run these ropes and then do something else of course so it's um Oof. yeah chair shots tables all that stuff that you're used to okay. like there was once it was supposed to be uh a table lit on fire but the there was a the wood absorbed the the lighter fluid, so it never caught on fire. Thank God! Wow, you know, but just all that stuff. Oh, it just Jesus. you know, and and any any time back in the past, I would never blade. Um, okay, I would always because I was new and young, and I had a fresh head, and I didn't want to cut my head open. Uh, but I'm telling you, like, there are times where I was gashed wide open, oh. and it was just because it was legit, and those were legit shots. Oh my god. Well, speaking of legit shots, unless you have anything else to add, Brian, let's get into Brawl what was it, Brawl for All? Brawl for All, yeah, this is my shit. This episode <laughs> This episode was awesome. Actually, um I do I do have a question just about uh, Brawl for All in general. Just what because you were already wrestling at the time. I mean what what was what was it like just the industry and the the sort of vibe around that? Was the thinking industry wide like, oh, this is a stupid idea? sort of like what was said in the documentary or you know like what what, what, was, what was the reaction to it early on you know when we were when the broth frog came out 
and we watched the first thing and then they were wearing gloves but there's takedowns awarded so it was a takedown boxing match basically you right. couldn't kick but you could box and you could take a guy down and i think steve williams blew out his knees yeah on one of those fights you know he got but he was an old man he was he got decimated but like they were they were just I, like, none of us thought it was good. It wasn't, it was never, like, this is a, the stupidest idea, the stupidest idea, okay. like, ever. Because, like, we're trying to convey uh, the sport of professional wrestling then yeah. as being still kayfabe, yeah. as still being a real deal. We're, this is real. Yeah. So then they're saying, no, it's not real, but Brawl for All is. I'm like, now you're just contradicting yourself. Right. And you're, and then, and then they're just mashing up like Bart Gunn, who's a tough son of a gun, they got Bart in this thing, but then they have guys like Brackus, who's just a, a he was a, a bodybuilder. Yeah. Brackus couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag. He couldn't protect his chin <laughs> from punches. You know, he couldn't bring his arms in close enough. That's you true, know true, that guy was going to die in there. Yeah, but yeah. you just think, you don't really give a shit, right? You're just, it's just meat. It's basically, you're just cattle and you're just meat. Just line them up, yeah. put them out there, and see what happens. You know? And, I, I brawl for all for me. It was like I love watching it now because it's just a train wreck. <laughs> you see that? Right. But like, never have I ever thought that this was a good idea ever for pro wrestling. I don't think it did anything for our business except put a like a little bit of a stain, like a shit stain on it a bit, right? Yeah. No, but it is. It, I, don't get me wrong, though. It is fun to. <laughs> <laughs> watch those bastards almost kill themselves and then Butterbean destroying Bart Gunn that poor bastard had like had no no chance no chance no kidding that's the thing and it's like because uh, I was watching it with my wife and she was coming in and out of it and then um, I was telling her like look See, this is why certain people, you need also a push or that luck factor behind no matter how hard you try. I was like, look, you see this guy, Bart Gunn? He had literally nothing going on, no gimmick, nothing. Then he makes something for himself, wins the damn thing, and instead of being rewarded, he gets punished for it. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Just because you screwed up the plans of what was supposed to happen. Like, why didn't he get a run against Stone Cold? Why didn't they build him up? The one thing, okay, I understand Cornette is a mastermind. He's so smart, and I'm just some fucking mark in the basement. But the one thing I didn't appreciate about Cornette was when he was saying that the reason why they didn't bring him up was because he was portrayed this certain way. And it's like, well, you guys are in the background making him. So why don't you build him up for a couple of months, then give him the shot against Austin? No one's saying to put him in right away. Obviously, if you put him in right away, it's not believable. Build him up. Make him a badass. Make him knock out some people, destroy some guys, and lead up to it, and then have that storyline. But it's like, it doesn't matter what you do well. Sometimes if you just have the machine against you, you have it against you, right? That That's the problem, is that you can go either way with that. You can just make the excuse of like, oh, well, he's uh, like... We didn't want to build him up because he was a certain way. But, like, he is a certain way because you made them in a certain way. It's just they just contradict themselves Thank just you. to make themselves appear right. Because, right. like, obviously they just had nothing for him. Just say it. Just no. outright say it. Like, we don't, like, there was nothing. Like, Bart really didn't have much uh, charisma. Why don't you just go with that? Why don't you just say, like, he's a big, good-looking kid that could actually wrestle but like, like he had no charisma. But he had a great right hand, and he clobbered a lot of dudes. But like at the end of the day, you didn't think that there was money in there. Just, just go ahead and say that there's no money in them, mm-hmm. or you didn't think you'd have an investment in them after a six month run. So you ended up putting him in there with a legit killer that just absolutely just 
like took any chance. Now, what would have happened in my head? Mm. My question is because I watched it and I watched him get knocked out, and I thought to myself, "Well, he's he's done now. He's fired. He's gone." Yeah. But then I, in the back of my head, I watched that with the intent of saying, "What if he knocks out Butterbean? Mm. <laughs> Does he become heavyweight champ for reals? Does he get a chance to be the heavyweight champ? Because legitimately, he should if he knocks out uh, the tough man guy of that decade. Right. Right. No, it makes sense. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah, because again, it's the what ifs. And the other thing I noticed about this episode a lot is a lot of shit, shit came from people not being told you can't do it. So now I'm I am going to do it. Like for example, like Russo being that he didn't like JBL, and then he was like, no, I'm going to do all this. To fuck you over because you're this sort of person. And then even Bart coming out of it being like, oh, this is all built against me. Now it's giving me the fire. It's like, you know what I mean? It's almost like as if revenge was the sole thing to all of this from beginning to end. You know what I mean? And that's so fucked up how our human minds will do something great out of trying to fuck someone else over. Right? Right. 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 But And that's what that is too is that's completely giving a ball saying run as hard as you can. Either you're going to make it or you're not. And, like, Bart just took the ball and ran with it really, really hard. You know what I mean? Really hard. Yeah. And that's 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 the sad part is, like, and I imagine that is immense amounts of frustration on his part to would just load that hand up even harder. Because, like, what was he, the Midnight Express? I don't know. I forget. What that's was right. With, yeah, the, the whatever reimagined Express of, of the time. Yeah. Now. Right. So we, we flipped him. We flipped his roll over a couple times. He's done nothing. He's just on the back burner all the time. So then that's just eating away at him. Oh, I get to put on a pair of boxing gloves and knock out an old man? Okay, I'm going to do that now. You know? Right. Oh, my God. Well, before we get into the dumbass of the week to end the show off, you got anything else to add, Brian? Yeah, it's just it brought back it brought back two sort of things that I had forgotten about because, you know, when that goes on, I was a little kid and my brother, my older brother, put me on to wrestling. And at this time, with the Brawl for Alls going on, he's like 20, 21 years old. I'm like four. So, you know, I'm obviously processing it in real time a different way. But then, you know, obviously having watched it back over the years and, you know, realizing more things about it, two things that the documentary sort of revealed to me that I had either didn't know about prior or forgotten was one, that Bart Gunn fought Billy Gunn and then they spent... You know, they, they they were in the same hotel room that night. They were traveling together. They were boys. And then that whole thing happened. And, you know, how that could have obviously ruined their friendship, you know, at the time. Because these are traveling partners. And they put them together to fight. Or, well, they claim not to. But Bart Gunn says that they intend, like, intended to put them together to yeah. fight that one time, uh, which started the whole Brawl for All thing. And then the second thing was I had forgotten about just the inactivity from winning that to WrestleMania 15 and fighting Butterbean, Me like too. It, it, you know, I, yeah. I'm with you. It sucks. It sucks that there was there was nothing for him, and that he should have. You know, they should have been able to figure out somebody, Vince Russo, somebody should have been able to figure out what to do with him. Like after that, because you you sort of built somebody up amidst all of this, you know, car, um, carnage and you know whatever was going on at the time. You had built somebody up only to not use him for several months after and send him feed him to Butterbean and then he gets knocked out and that's pretty much the end of Bark Gun. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, honestly, I think uh, that was, all I think that was is them just, here's your last, here's your last chip. So like you, you've completed the race. 
You yeah. had the ball, you've made your touchdown, but now you got to make that field goal. The field goal is the most impossible field goal ever. Yeah. Go home, train for Butterbean and knock him out, and then the, the world is yours. So I think that's the only reason, because if they had to push them and then he got knocked out, then, of course, he's he's – all this push was for nothing. Yeah. But if, if you're if you keep him at home and then start to push after he knocks out Butterbean, then you're now now you're living you're living the high life. But, right. but it's either way you look at it, it's just the industrial machine just just putting your putting their thumb on you. Either way, just using using a body, a human body, and somebody's soul and all this stuff, just using them completely and just discarding them. It's, it's unfortunate, unfortunate, but that's the, the, the giant business that business is right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just another number. Exactly. Another cog in the wheel of the machine, right? (laughs) All right. On to the dumbass of the week. Since everyone's in quarantine and everyone's going crazy, there's a lot of good stories coming out of this. So <laughs> might as well make use of it. <laughs> All right. Before we get to the dumbass, Tyson, in you traveling and being in airports, what's the craziest thing you've seen someone try to do at the airport? Oh, I, I, you know what? I just see such, uh, I don't know if it's a culture thing or okay. whatever, but just people are so so odd i find them to like me when i'm on an airplane and i i uh i'm in the back say i'm in the back row sure and then that plan uh, that plane lands and then of course it takes a while for them to open the doors there's procedure involved and stuff to get the doors unlocked and depressurized whatever they're doing up there right and then you know how people are supposed to stand up and i feel as though it's a single file kind of system and it's very easy the first people start they get their stuff and they get off, leading by the second row, third row, and whatever. But these people that obsessively <laughs> jump up and they're in the middle of the aisle yes. and you don't have anywhere to go, but yet you're sitting half your ass on my shoulder who's patiently waiting yeah. for the rest of the people to get off so I can stand up and get my stuff peacefully and without you know, touching anybody else. Yeah. I just, that's, and like the last time I was on a, uh, last time was coming home from Germany and Europe, uh, from uh, the UK, right. just before everything got shut down. And I just remember, like, I would think that people would be a little bit more conscious and want to be more, um, less touchy feely and stuff like that. I legitimately had a, a man like almost laying in my lap. <laughs> like he was trying to get out of that plane wow. with like, you're not getting out of this plane. We're like 18 rows back. Mm-hmm. Wait, but yet he's sitting in my lap basically for the most part. So that's, I don't know if that's, that's the oddest thing, but that's the, like, that's my biggest pet peeve with human beings. I'm like, just be orderly, just wait, be a little bit more patient. Your time will come. But unfortunately that's not the way we're built. No, of course. All right, Brian, instead of asking you what's your, biggest pet peeve or craziest thing at the airport how about this this will lead in right into the dumbass of the week have you ever been anywhere where you haven't been fully clothed that's very embarrassing uh i'm pretty conscious about this because i'm a hairy dude so no (laughs) i've seen i've seen some shit but no i've I've been in the clear i'm good okay perfect (laughs) (laughs) so this week's dumbass comes all the way from new orleans where 
Again, I don't even know why she's trying to board a plane to begin with. So she goes to the airport. She wants to go somewhere, I have a lot obviously. Of questions about her. Yeah, okay, we'll get into that. Don't worry. So <laughs> she goes to the airport, gets to the ticket agent, wants to buy a ticket, but the ticket agent refuses to help her out. For the reason and sole reason only that she showed up to the airport completely fucking butt naked. <laughs> Did she get to the counter? Yes! What? She got pretty far, man. She got pretty far. (laughs) I'm saying, like, what airline, what airport was this? In New Orleans. the big one? It was the one in New Orleans. I'm sure it's here in the article, but I I don't, I'm reading too much while I'm off, so. Have you ever had dealings in New Orleans with, uh, like, airports? Have you ever... I haven't been to New Orleans. It's on my bucket list of cities that I do want to go to, though. I mean, even after this, I'm still it's still there. I might have to move it down a couple slots, but it's there. I was going to say, uh, New Orleans is on my bucket list of a place never to be in my whole entire life. Oh, shit! I never want to go to Louisiana. There is nothing about that whole area, the state, the city, nothing that appeals to me in the slightest. Nothing. You know, Cajuns, a little little Canadian history, Cajuns are actually Acadians, which are East uh, Eastern French people from Canada that were shipped down. So the English and the Fran- French from France were fighting over Canada. So when the English were, like, leading or winning this thing, shipped a whole bunch of French people down to Louisiana and said, hey, deal with the swamp. You're now swamp people. So they shipped them there, and then they turned themselves not from Acadians they turned them into, which is now known as Cajuns. So they're actually oh, wow. from destined from France and Canada, these people. But, like, I don't like dealing with the French people up here. I'm not going to deal with them. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, yeah, she got as far as the counter. They refused to obviously uh, help her out. And then to the point where she did not want to leave. She wanted to get on the plane naked. But then the police came, they informed... But here's the fucked up part. She had a dress on her, and she put it on when the cops showed up, but it was too short that her fucking things were still hanging out and they could still see her snatch and shit. Like, the best the part. <laughs> I, I just... I don't... I, the, the, what baffles me about this scenario, as great as the story is, is yeah. I don't know how she got as far as she got. Yeah. Being right. naked. Right. That's the thing that blows my mind. Uh, who knows? Maybe she but blew. God bless her. Maybe she blew some people on the way, and that's why she got so far. I thought the story was in Kentucky when I first saw it. Until I saw it said New Orleans, I was like, "Oh boy!" Because that sounds like a Kentucky story all the way. <laughs> uh, I don't know about those southern states, man. Those south states these guys got over there are pretty sketchy sometimes. Look, man, I'm in New York. That's far away from Louisiana. <laughs> I'm closer to you guys than I am Louisiana. Yeah, I was going to say, you're like near us. Yeah, yeah that yeah. is true. That is true. All right, guys. So on that note, plug your shit. Where can people find you? What you guys are up to in the meantime? Tyson, go first, my friend. Yeah, man. Yeah, just the same as always, guys. I'm very, very easy to find. Tyson Dukes, D-U-X. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and everything I do post is on there. There'll be links to my school and merchandise and whatever you need. It's all there. And I'm pretty, pretty animate about making sure that I share all events coming up on that, those two pages. Perfect. Brian. Brian? Uh, same thing at Brian Fonseca and why does Brian with a Y? Cause I'm Hispanic. Uh, and why is in New York? 
you'll find a lot of sports stuff, a lot of video game stuff, and a lot of podcasts lately. We're doing uh, two Ain't Hard to Tell podcasts a week while we're in quarantine. Dexter and I, we got a couple good ones coming up, so you guys can follow for all that. Perfect. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, under Finger Styles. Follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast DAP. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show, listen to the fine sponsors, because if it helps them out, it helps me out. Support me directly by going to tpublic.com. Scroll down on your device, click on the link there. It takes you right to my page. And obviously, the most important thing, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. Hope this was... Uh, a sort of different episode for, for the podcast because I usually try and have one or two guests on. But this week I went with three. I guess it wasn't a threesome after all. Well, it was a threesome and then I, I ventured off to have a one-on-one for a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> Only you, Steve, you freak. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, on that note, if you guys have nothing else to add, he's Brian, he's Tyson, he was Brian, I'm Steve, this is the podcast. Peace.